Here we go. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce, how you doing? Hey, David, how are you doing tonight? Ah, uh, I got post-nasal drip from a cold, so, so coughing fun, a lot, coughing a lot. Yeah, that's a, my wife had it for like three, two or three months after she had oh. COVID, she had the post-nasal drip, it's a, Anyway, this is just a cold, and but it's hanging on there. So, hopefully, I can get through this. We'll see. Ah, Bruce, talking about getting through things. That game was a a frustrating game, a very, very frustrating game. The Oilers lost eight six to the Avs tonight. It's our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. And because there was lots of bad, we'll go with two good things each. Let's start off with some good things, though, Bruce. What is your good thing? Oh, yeah, good thing, good thing. Eight six loss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my good thing is we got them right where we want them. Just like last series, they just made all the mistakes to enough mistakes to lose four games. They only lost one game. They're going to figure everything out from the mistakes they made in this game and go ahead and uh, start winning thereafter. Uh, in all seriousness, I'll, I'll give credit for. Uh, uh, a, a good pushback and, and somehow making a game out of that mess. And, uh, you know, having actually a couple of chances to tie it up in the, in the last minute. Um, but ultimately, it was one of those games that was like game one in Calgary in a lot of respects. One that got away, one in which they scored way more goals than you normally would need to win a hockey game. But uh, it wasn't enough because they just leaked way too much against at the other end. And uh, they, uh, so anyway, my good thing is um, they fought back, made a game of it, and they only lost one game out of it, so. <laughs> Alrighty, um, Bruce, my good thing will be the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Archibald and Cassian. Mm-hmm. They scored a great goal um, in the third period, and that was the goal that, um, Made it, what, 7-5, I think, at that yeah. point? Yeah. So it actually got the orders back into the game. And they were, Cassian was winning all kinds of battles. I mean, I think when the score was, um, I'm just going to go back earlier in the game for a second. The score was 4-3, and Cassian had a breakaway. And if he had scored, or maybe it was 3-3, anyway, the orders were one goal down. Yeah. And if he had scored on that goal, the breakaway goal, tie game, even after all the bad that had happened to the orders. <coughs> they could have been back in the game right then of course Zach Cassian scores probably on about one in five breakaways so he didn't score there um and well, the average just player shoot the score. puck you know yeah he, he seems to do puck. best he loves the deke he likes to think of himself as a high skill finesse player when he gets uh chances and he isn't he seems to do best on the breakaways when he does shoot I would that's my memory of him is yeah scoring on the the breakaways power forward power shot <coughs> on it. anyway he um this was his best game in the playoffs i thought cassian's best game mm-hmm. six hits to lead the team i see and um he was running it's actually off. fogel that had the six hits cassian had oh. four huh? oh oh you're right you're right right above right above and the two, two together there's something wrong with your sound right now bruce it uh, suddenly flipped out a little bit 
staticky at my end. Hopefully, uh, still is. Let's try that. Ooh. Worse? It's, uh, just plug it, unplug it and plug it back in real quick. How's that? That's better. That fixed it. Okay. Good. Sorry. Connection Sorry, got loose. Folks. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, all right. Let's consider um, that another shift of the Oilers behind their own blue line tonight. That's kind of how it was <coughs> going. Well, we cleared it up quicker than the Oilers did on two or three of those possessions. Man. <sighs> so on the on the Bouchard and excuse me, um, Cassian and Ryan were just really cycling the puck well on the goal that they scored in the third period. Mm -hmm. Cassian hitting and making smart plays. Keith made a couple of good passes, and then Bouchard fired the puck and he took out an Avs player. With his shot, I think it was Burakovsky. I don't know if he came yeah. back in the game, but he he did. He really hammered him, and he was he out of the a couple play. of shifts. He was out of the play on the goal, and um, mm -hmm. and um, Cassian um, set up Ryan in the slot, and Ryan made just a fantastic shot, top shelf. Grandma keeps the cookies. So <clears throat> then that line came down the ice later in the game. I think the orders had uh, made it 7-6, and Archibald almost tied the game. Came charging in there, and on a deflected pass, I think the pass was from Cassian, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he almost um, deflected the puck in the net, so almost tied it up. So that line was, uh, it had it going on, on the attack. Bruce, what is your first bad thing? Yeah. Yeah, bad thing. I, tonight, I got to single out the defending or lack thereof from Darnell Nurse, Oilers' number one defenseman, who I thought had an absolutely brutal game behind his own blue line. Hard to, hard to square how poor he was in this game. Uh, and uh, we had him, I believe, for 11 errors on grade A shots against. And they were all sorts of things from... Uh, uh, well, let's quickly go through them. The tur uh, on the second goal, uh, he allowed a breakaway. Guy got in behind him to score. On the third goal, uh, right at the killer goal, that McCarr scored nine seconds after Edmonton had tied it up. And Nurse just sort of coughed the puck up into the neutral zone. And then uh, when McCarr came in onside, apparently, uh, and fired a shot, and, and, you know, he allowed the shot and went right Right, uh, I think through his screen and right in the top, it was a great shot by McCarr, but uh, uh, get in the shooting lane, or better still, don't just cough the puck up to them. Uh, then on the power play that resulted from the failed challenge, this was a real double whammy, cost orders two goals. Uh, Darnell was just very, very passive, allowing a pass right into the slot. And just kind of standing there and not even sort of contesting for the puck, I don't get it. So there was that one. Uh, so that was sort of three goals in a row where he was complicit. Uh, allowed a pass for a scoring chance. Uh, let's keep going here. Uh, allowed a pass for two scoring chances on that power play goal. Allowed a uh, pass for another chance. Allowed yet another pass for a chance. Yet another pass. Like he was getting beat on passes because he was either not in position or his stick wasn't there. He didn't go to the... didn't stay stick with his man. 
and I, I, I was extremely frustrated with his play. Like he was just, uh, uh, it looked like a deer in the headlights for much of the game. And uh, he just needs to be way, way, way better than that, or else he needs to sit so that someone healthy can go in and take his place. Because if that's the issue, then it's an issue because he was not able to compete at anywhere near the level he needs to compete for the orders to be successful tonight. That was, uh, that was just uh, dreadful. Yeah, Bruce, there was plays where he was, where normally he would go into the corner to fight for it or behind the net and he would just mm-hmm. stay in the slot. But then and he then would not... stay in the slot and not cover anybody. Yeah. It was very, man, he, Bruce, it was an atrocious game by Darnell Nurse. Yeah. He was eaten alive out yeah. there. He yeah. was not, he was not in the game. Mm-hmm. And if it is injury, it must be injury. Um, this is serious. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I thought it was serious after game ones with the Flames, too, and they bounced back. Drysaddle bounced back. He got healthier. Nurse doesn't seem to be getting healthier. Um, I'd give him a one out of ten in that game. Uh, it I'd was... give him a... Sorry, finish your thought. Go ahead. No. I'd give him a two just because he made one uh, decent play that eventually resulted in an Edmonton goal. But in terms of his def- the defending side of his game, maximum minus for that. Yeah, because he didn't defend like it was just so so poor, and he, he yeah, like he was standing around out of position, and I, like I say, not either going to the boards and battling for the puck, nor covering off any any passing lanes or or opponents in the slot. He just I I don't know. He just seemed like a say deer in the headlights out there, and you expect more than that from your number one. Uh, not to mention highest paid defenseman. I mean, that guy's there to turn the game in your favor, and he did pretty much anything but that in this game. Yeah, if you're playing uh, with whatever his injury is, he's just got to read the game better. He's got to be he's got to yeah. be smarter about it. So mm-hmm. that didn't happen either. I mean, on McCarr's goal that was so controversial mm-hmm. with the offside play, um, which I thought at the time was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. Now that I've heard the explanation, I'm kind of just confused. I have no idea what's going on. Anyway, Makar, um, Nurse started that off with an unnecessary turnover. Yeah. There was there was a there was a, like 10, 15 seconds left in the period twenty, and he and he throws it up to a guy who's covered. Mm-hmm. He gives he gives Kane kind of a tough pass to handle. A grenade. A grenade, and like why do that? You don't have to make that play. No one's on you. You just have to kill out the period. Your team has somehow weathered a crappy first yeah. period. You've been yeah. stormed. And you miraculously have come back and tied the game. You're a veteran in this league. You need yeah. to kill up the clock and you make yeah. a pass like that. And then you're yeah. caught deep as Makar yeah. rushes in. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, like this is a one. This game is a one. There was so many atrocious plays by Darnell Nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. the worst game of his NHL career. It's one of the worst games we've seen an, an Oilers defenseman ever play, Bruce. According Defensively. To- Defensively, according to the way we rank players, the way we yeah. break down the game. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's I think it's ninety percent or eighty percent related to injury, but uh-huh. they can't have him out there against the McKinnon line. First of all, that's so that's on the coach. <coughs> they tried that. Uh-huh. They so they they Colorado controls the matchup to some extent in Colorado, but uh-huh. if you have Nurse and Cece out there with McDavid, and they're going to match him with McKinnon, you got to take uh-huh. Nurse off. He can't handle McKinnon, and um, he he got beat by McKinnon repeatedly in the game. 
So I don't know who they're going to put. They're going to have to try oh. maybe Kulak and Barrett. Kulak. Yeah. Try Kulak in that spot and bump Nurse down. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And they've still been able to win. But not because of Nurse, I don't think. Like, he's hung in there in some games. It's time to make a move, I think. But we'll see what happens. Probably They won't do it. They'll stick with him there. But Okay. <clears throat> That's my rant about Nurse. I was equally not happy and perplexed with his usage. Okay, my bad thing is McDavid's defense. He was Connor McDavid on the attack, three points, and made some great plays, scored a beautiful goal, made major contributions to nine grade A shots. So on the attack, he was Connor McDavid, although he had a slow start to the game. Mm-hmm. On defense, um, he he um, he has been great in the playoffs since game starting game six against LA. He's taken no. up a notch. No. <coughs> this game, he regressed. He's against really tough opposition. Nathan McKinnon presents a problem unlike any player the Oilers have faced in the playoffs. He is he is an amazing hockey player. And he got the best of Connor McDavid tonight. He was the better of the two superstars tonight. So, um, hey, I never thought I'd saw, see that in these playoffs, but that's what I saw tonight. McKinnon, McKinnon dominated this game, not Connor McDavid. How, and, many, uh, how many grade A <coughs> shots against did we count on... Uh, McDavid made five major mistakes on grade A shots against. True, true. So the first one was a McKinnon um, in the slot. You know, the pass goes through Nurse, as it so often did out of the corner. And McDavid wasn't on uh, McKinnon, and he harpoons it on net. The second one was a very strange play. Um, <coughs> it was the goal that McKinnon scored on the break-in past Nurse. Mm-hmm. But McDavid was in the neutral zone. Just He was in the red light zone. Not covering anyone, not covering a passing lane. And he allowed... Uh, I think it was Devon Taves to skid up the ice and make the pass unmolested. So he was being a cautious player there, but not an effective one. <coughs> the third one was a, another goal against where he was covering a guy in front of the net who managed to put it in off his body, I think. That was a fairly tough play. And the next two were both slot shots, um, going through Nurse and McDavid not covering the guy in the slot. So three of those were slot shots that he should be covering off. Mm-hmm. And one of them was his own play where... You know, it's a, it's a tough play, but you'd expect him to do better and, and be in forechecking, at least on Devon Taves. So, yeah, not McDavid's best game behind the blue line. But they need, they need his A game. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. All right, Bruce, your second bad thing. Yeah, it's uh, how quickly the Oilers gave back the goals that they got. And the first three goals of the game, they scored to open the scoring, 5:04. The first by 5:40, it was one to one. Very next play, one to one, and just no, <coughs> no consolidation of the score. You I mean ideally, what you want is a full cycle of lines after you've scored, where you you sort of maintained it and sort of set a a new game state. Well, they couldn't hold one nothing for. 40 seconds uh then at the end of the first period they tied it as you say against the flow of play and it looked like they were going to get away with it in the first period and come out of it 2-2 despite having a pretty horrific period nine seconds nine freaking seconds when you got 23 to kill to get to the room and we've already been through that goal a little bit and uh yeah i mean we could 
name that call as the bad thing. And I'm still a little bit confused. It sure looked to me, and Jay Woodcroft said this in the post game. I mean, he had possession of the puck. He carried it over the line. He touched. He touched it again, and somehow they deemed that he'd shot it into himself, three feet over the line. And all the visual evidence of our eyes was lying to us. And he didn't have it. And the other guy touched up, and it was all good. And then, of course, penalty and second. Second goal. So then Cal- uh, they make it 4-2 on the power play. Edmonton cuts the lead to 4-3. And this time it's like a minute and 39 seconds later and it's 5-3. And again, they could, I don't think Smith made one save after and after a uh, uh, Edmonton goal. The next shot went in, I think, three times in a row. And that was the only three Edmonton scored for Smith. And each one was was uh, went back. So... Uh, I'm not necessarily pointing the finger specifically at Smith. I'll leave that up to you, David. But uh, I will say they needed a save in those situations, and they didn't get it, but they also didn't help themselves with some pretty shoddy defense. They just never had control of this game at any time. And they finally sort of took control of the territorial game in the third period. Well, by then it was like, what, 7-4? Seven. Seven. So... So I'll just leave it there, and I'll let you. Uh, well, it was uh, a, step in with your second bad thing. It was a lot like the first Calgary game, I and mean, the same feeling afterwards of like confusion and disconsolation and upset. So um, maybe not wrong. as I was. I was more. I was catastrophizing more after that game against Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, the order. This Oilers team is irrepressible. They can come back. They just got to get it together. They, and they got to figure out what's going on with Nelson how to handle this so Jay Woodcroft is a smart guy he'll figure it out um <clears throat> Bruce um Mike Smith had faced 16 grade a shots and he let in six of them so um you know he was he was pummeled in the first period and he kept the orders mm-hmm. in until he didn't and I thought the turning point for S- Smith was the McCarr goal where it was. A, I think he should have had it. I think that was a. It was. It's definitely from a grade B shooting position. I don't think he was significantly screened um, for an by NHL goalie standards, and I think he should have had that shot. So that's one he, I think he should have had. And then there was, you know, he had a bad rebound on some other plays, and there were some other ones where, you know, he just, we just, he didn't make. McKinnon's goal was like in the second in the second period where he got that pass. Um, the order's defense was horrific on that play. I don't know what Nugent Hopkins and Hyman were doing when the puck went ar- around the horn to McKinnon and he went in and scored. But again, it's a good shooter, but it was an outside shot. And you just hope your goalie <coughs> can make that save or make, you know, yeah, simple as that. Oh, that, was Rant- Rant- that was a Rantanen goal, right? Was that the Rant? Wasn't that McKinnon? Yeah, McKinnon passed it to Rantanen. Um, <coughs> when you have... When you win the Stanley Cup, you do have the goalie making that kind of save. Now, it's a different era. These shooters can really mm-hmm. that puck. So, but I just get the sense here, like, this was a really, this was a pretty mediocre goaltending performance in the end. Like, he did play well for a long stretch in the first. He held them in until he kind of dropped. And really, there was so much bad on defense that I, I, I feel bad, in a way, singling him out. But but he he was part of he was a big part of the problem in the end. He didn't make that big save, so he's my second bad thing. Yeah, well, one to one, he made a few stops for sure. 
I don't know any of them were like dazzling saves, but they, you know they were getting good chances, and he was keeping them out. And uh, uh, then all of a sudden it was like boom, 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 and they were all going in. You know, uh, 4:50 left in the first, 15 seconds in the first, 19:29 in the second, 15:20, 13:40, and by then he's out of there. Well, by then he's given in five goals in what 11 minutes or something. Yeah. You know, he just got 11 and a half minutes. So here's the crazy thing out of that game. Mike Smith allowed six goals. Darcy Kemper led in three. Uh, Pavel Fransuz led in three. Mikko Koskin led in one. I'll let you guess who is the losing goalie from that game. <laughs> Any thoughts of going to Koskin and Bruce? I'm, they won't. I know they won't. But do you think mm-hmm. they should? Well, based, I mean, in the Calgary game, when he also came in fairly early for Smith, and he just didn't get the job done either, Mikko, and I thought that time was a no-brainer just to go back to Smith. Yeah. And I think they will go back to Smith, but I don't think it's a no-brainer this time. Mikko was way better than Mike in this game. Yeah, he was. Way he better. looked. I had a lot more confidence with him in that. I thought he's going to make the saves. He's going to stop mm-hmm. some of these shots. Yeah. <clears throat> and Colorado started to... When Koskinen's on, he gets big in the net, and the other teams start to miss the net. And I start, mm-hmm. I started to sense that a little bit in Colorado shooting on Koskinen that they were thinking, um, we need the perfect shot to score on this guy, and they were uh, missing the net because of it. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to do it, but it's certainly something mm-hmm. that, that uh, you know, if they lose the next game, mm-hmm. maybe depending on how Smith plays. <coughs> but uh, goalies are going to have bad games now, and then you can't expect mm-hmm. any goalie. You know, maybe Grant Fuhrer and some of those playoff runs didn't have a bad game, but I might be just misremembering um, how it went. But um, had some bad goals against, I can tell you. He did. He did. I can think of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, Smith, um, he was solid early on in the game. He's been great through the playoffs, so I'm sure they'll go back to him. Bruce, what is your number? <sighs> yeah, uh, my number is. Um... 0-3 and 8-2. And, and that's all his records. In game one now, this is the third straight series. I've dropped the first game. And they've gone eight wins, two losses after those uh, first two opening losses, meaning that neither one of them was a fatal. Obviously, they're still alive in the playoffs. So dropping the first game did not kill them in either series. And I think that's something they can hang their hat on that uh, – uh, they've been here before, but uh, it's strange. Like they, they've had, uh, uh, I think, some, some pretty shot, like the last two games in particular. And the first one, of course, was one big mistake by Mike Smith with five minutes left. Uh, but these other two games were just really, really poor uh, defensive performances. And they, you know, now they've seen these guys and they got a lot of adjusting to do. I hope they have a enough energy to go out and have a full practice tomorrow because they sure in the heck need one. Yeah, Bruce, your um, fear heading into these playoffs against the Avs was the Oilers have never faced a fully healthy Avs team. They did mm-hmm. tonight, and man, the Avs were good. Mm-hmm. They were great in the first period. They just dominated the game. The Oilers mm-hmm. were lucky that it was, like, to have the score 2-2 when it was, mm-hmm. was just dumb luck for the Oilers. They deserve to be down 3-1. <coughs> mm-hmm. And, and um, and, um, man, I mean, Landeskog did such a great job, McKinnon and Landeskog, of covering McDavid. Mm-hmm. Until Landeskog took that penalty in the third. I mean, right. 
stupid penalty, but he was great. So was McKinnon. They they were really stymieing the Oilers' um, top line. They couldn't get anything going for the longest time, especially at even strength. So this is a very, very good abs team. But I have to say, Bruce, thank you for that number. It really cheered me up when you said it. It put a smile on my face. It, and it honestly did. Like, it really made me happy all of a sudden. We got him right where we want him. Down about, I'm down about being sick. I'm down about uh, the game. But that yeah, made yeah. me happy. So thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, I don't have such a cheery number. My number is uh, 733. Mm-hmm. That is Yesa Pugliarvi's Time on Ice. Boy. So, yes, um, is in the doghouse, obviously. And I have to say, um, do I get it? I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Um, The first goal against, Bouchard turns it over, um, and, um, but it's still, he turns it over in the offensive end, and then in the neutral zone, again, he loses battles in both places, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> but it still would have been a two-on-two. But on the back check, uh, yes, it was. he was a little slow. He just didn't get going. He didn't pump his feet. He kind of cruised back because it looked like Bouchard's going to make the play probably. So mm-hmm. he's not he's not anticipating the worst eventuality. But you have to, right? you you got to be on your horse. you got to get back. So he's slow on the back check, and then it's a two-on-one, and Keith allows the pass across, and it's a goal. So <clears throat> now... To pick on him, though, just for that. Oh, just wow. In this game? The players <laughs> in this game? Come on. Like, Darnell Nurse would have been stapled to the bench after the first period yeah. by that standard. And the Oilers would have been better off for it. <coughs> Play Chris Russell. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Anyway, um, Pulley Arvey, um, he's having... His standard play on the offensive end is to is to maybe win the puck on the offensive boards and then shoot it right around the boards to the other side. I've seen it so many times, Bruce, where he makes that play. And I guess it's now a force of habit. I'm playing with McDavid. Maybe that's a good play because McDavid's going to be over there to get it. And you want that to happen. But he's got to be more assertive. He's got to... Now, there may be some physical thing with him, but he's got to make up his mind. And, and I say this again and again with the younger players because I see it again and again with the younger players. Make up your mind that if you're going to fail... At least you're going to fail going all out. Mm-hmm. You're going to fail taking a chance on the attack, holding the puck, trying to make a play, taking it to the net, trying to make something happen. And so I'm not. I'm seeing a great deal of caution and lack of confidence in Yesapoliarvi's game. So he's got to get to that point of desperation, where he thinks, okay, coach is mad at like coach is clearly mad at me. I'm not playing that much, I'm not playing that well. If he's completely honest with himself, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm going to go for it. So I hope he does, because he can. He he's got more to give in these playoffs. He scored at least one really nice goal. Um, so, I, like I'm I'm not down on him. I just think he lacks confidence right now, and I do understand why he's not getting that much of his time. Well, I will run this by you though. I mean, this is bottom six. This is the minutes for the six guys in the bottom six tonight. Ryan ten oh one, nine fourteen at evens. Pulley Arvey 7.33, that's the low. Uh, Archibald 8.53, all at evens. Fogel 8.47, Fogel actually had a pretty good game. 8.47, all at evens. Uh, 
Cassian 8.38 all at evens and McLeod 11.56 of which 10.59 was at evens. So only McLeod played 10 minutes of even strength time in this game of the six of them. So because again, score effects, they were running out their, uh, their big guys. And, you know, I mean, McDavid played 24, Newton Hopkins played 20, Kane 21, Drysaddle 23, Hyman 20. You know, I mean, that's the big five. And they were all... 20 and the other forwards were at 10 and who's the other guy Yamamoto was at basically 17 minutes so it really was a sort of a 20 to 10 split but of those Pugliarvi got the slightly the least but you just expect a little more out of them than you got in this game so. yeah that's a good point you make Bruce like it's obviously a systemic thing the low ice like the particularly low ice time there's a lot of the uh, bottom line players who had that mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if that was a mistake by the like the coach and not trusting these players a little bit more and see what happens. But um, certainly the Cassian line had it going on. They might have. Right. Well, yeah, Fogel, yeah. Fogel was good. This was Fogel's best game in the playoffs. So. Fogel played 847, during which he had eight shot attempts. Only one was on goal, but that created a rebound and a goal and assist for him. And six hits, eight shot attempts and six hits in eight minutes. That's a, that's a lot of crooked numbers. Yeah, I so, don't mind McLeod, Fogel, and Pugliarvi. Like, put them out there more. Like, I'm not necessarily agreeing with the coach, but I do think there's a reason for it, too. He's not trusting Yessa. And, David, I'm going to give you a second set of numbers because I don't think we ever mentioned this tonight. Grade-A scoring chances for and against oh, in this yeah, game okay. are off the charts. High. Highest of the year, I'm pretty sure. For both teams, yeah. Highest total grade-A shots yeah. in a game. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Go ahead. What are they, Bruce? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, we're still sort of discussing one or two as to, you know, the yeah. uh, the Macar, was it an A or a B shot? Was it screen? Was it, did it deflect off a nurse? Uh, there were, certainly was mistakes made. Uh, even B chances are led by defensive errors at times. Anyway, Oilers had 20, which is a hell of a lot. Colorado had 24. 24 grade A shots. 24 grade A shots. And in the uh, five-alarm category, it was actually Edmonton with 15, Colorado with just 12. But I'll bet you if you look at that, up to the time Colorado built the 7-3 lead, and then from then till the end of the game, it was mostly mostly Edmonton down the, uh, down the stretch. But, geez, when your, doc- when your document goes down to cell number 50... Uh, row number 50 you know that's uh that's and i was hoping for an easy night i was hoping for an easy oh, night i was hard but. all night long it was like the valid, like replay after replay after replay god it was a lot of work anyway i shouldn't complain it's fun work it's good work <coughs> hockey geek work um yeah we haven't seen that many great a shots i'm sure in a game this year we've seen teams get 20 or more grade A shots, but not both teams. I'm pretty yeah. sure about yeah. Uh, the five. So the expected goals, like based on, we have like an, an average grade A shot goes in about 25% of the time and an average five alarm shot, it's about 33%. So I think our expected goals was seven, six abs, which, uh, mm-hmm. which mimicked the score of the uh, empty net goal. So yeah, it wasn't necessarily the goaltending in this one, Bruce. It was the defense. The defensive play sucked. On uh, both sides of the. Yeah, no, I mean, 
Colorado wasn't exactly great at it, you know. So I'm just going to quickly look up what expected goals were according to Natural Stat Turk and see what how they uh, how they parsed this thing. And in all situations, all situations. And Kane, you know, he came close, so close to tying that game burst with 49 seconds left. Mm-hmm. On the um, the rebound off Drysaddle's uh, slot. Drysaddle's dive, yeah. I mean, I, Kane has got such great hands. I think yeah, every teenage girl in Edmonton has a crush on the bench. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, he uh, scored a nice goal earlier, and then he I thought he didn't have that great of a game thereafter. But yeah, he, you know, he does make stuff happen, even when he's sort of struggling through. I mean, he had seven shot attempts and five hits. Two of the shots on net. I just, uh, I, you know, thought some of his defensive execution wasn't great. Anyway, natural stat trick had us basically 4.5 expected goals for the abs and 4.1 for the Oilers. So lower than, frankly, I expected off of what I saw. But they had high danger chances at 19 to 18 for Colorado, and this is all situations. So Yeah. They're less able to ask. More. They're mm-hmm. less able to ascertain five alarm shots than we are. I'm going to suggest mm-hmm. because yeah. we can see the context of the shot. Like we yeah. can see if it's a, a cross seam pass mm-hmm. followed by a harpoon of a shot like a one timer. Mm-hmm. You know, they would just that's for them. That's just a shot from a certain distance. Right. And it's the same as any other shot. But if it's we know if it's a one time, this is a five alarm shot. So yeah. it opts. So. One other number, Bruce, Evan Bouchard, six major mistakes on grade A shots against an even strength. So it wasn't yeah. just those who struggled there. Evan Bouchard had a... How about Keith? Two. All the other defensemen were okay. Two, yeah, okay. two, one, two. I guess what stands out to me is Keith getting burned on the pass on the 1-1, one, one, but more egregiously by far on what turned out to be the game-winning goal by Andrew Cogliano in his first playoff game against the Oilers since he scored the game tying goal in game seven when he was with Anaheim in 2017. Uh-huh. Former Oiler kills Oilers headline. Uh, was the play where Keith, just for no apparent reason, just sort of coasted into the offensive zone uh, when there was sort of a 50-50 puck. And when the puck came out, all of a sudden it's a two-on-one and... Uh, Colorado is basically fourth line Logan O'Connor to uh, Andrew Cogliano for a, for an easy finish. And I think the pass probably went through Bouchard, as I recall. It did. Uh, yeah, I mean, Keith's partner. So it was kind of the first goal in reverse where, where Bouchard made the mistake and then Keith got beat on the pass. Well, this time Keith, I, like, I'm not quite sure why he was where he was because there was nothing sort of dangerous uh, he didn't, you know, there was no offensive opportunity there, and he just kind of abandoned the point. And wasn't it wasn't it was like a bad pinch, except for he didn't pinch. He never made any play at all. He just took himself out of position. I well, I, I think he thought if Cassie wins the puck, I'm in the middle of the ice, I have a better chance to score. Mm-hmm. Does Cassie make that pass? But you know, who says like it's a battle on the boards? Yeah. So he that's why he went to the more to the middle of the ice. Mm-hmm. But that meant that he was just way out of position. It was bizarre. Yeah. So I agree, Bruce. Like, that was not good. So the two mistakes that he did make were both on goal, so that's why he stands up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Bruce, let's leave it there and hope for better things next game. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what we hope for after game one in Calgary, and that's what we got. 
with Forest yeah. Lake Edmonton wins. And that night we were saying, and I'm going to say it again because it's still true, you're never going to probably get another six-goal game in the entire series, and it hurts like hell to score six and still find a way not to win the game. But against Calgary, they bounced back with five, four, five, and five goals in the next four games, and in those games it was enough to win. So certainly the hope here is that uh, coaching staff led by Jay Woodcroft will uh, find ways to clean up the defensive stuff and they'll carry on with the offense. And uh, uh, the Oilers' offense is still a fearsome, uh, uh, pretty fearsome thing. I heard Travis Yost, TSN, uh, no big fan of the Oilers today, but he was basically raving about how their offense has been close to unstoppable in the playoffs. I mean, now they're up to 58 goals in the playoffs and uh, they're, they're pouring them in. And if you can just clean up the defense a bit, the scoring's there. So, but it needs to be there next game. They need to they need to figure this out fast. You don't want to come home down to nothing. So we'll see what happens if uh, mm-hmm. Kemper's hurt. I wonder if they just took him out for precautionary reasons. That's Something what I'm happened. Our friend Sue's actually wasn't bad. I thought he made some good stops. But yeah, neither Kemper or Francis. Is it Francus or Francis? Neither of them. Neither of them have been very good in the playoffs. They both have save percentages under 900. So maybe it doesn't matter. This is one hell of a keep it that way. One hell of a great attacking team, though. Mm-hmm. They really are. That Nakushkin's a beast. Eh? He has. He has become a very good hockey player. Oh yeah, he's really And uh, Devon Taves is a really good defenseman. Fantastic player. Yeah, Devon Taves. He had. Two assists plus three tonight. It was his great pass to McKinnon that led to the breakaway goal that made it 2-1. And plus three for that guy. And that that is an outscoring, very elite defensive pairing, Taves and McCarr. Each guy averaged over 25 minutes this year, and each guy scored 55-plus points. Yeah. Both guys are pairing. You don't see that every year. This defensive unit isn't the Calgary Flames defensive unit, Bruce. Like, even though they let in all those goals, mm-hmm. these guys, um, they can really make plays with the puck. Yeah. They've got, like, three or four defensemen better than any defenseman on the Flames. Mm-hmm. So, see what happens. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.